this, uh, this particular message, you know, uh, what I want to do is I want to give you first a few things people say that I've heard over and over again. Like, there's nothing to pray about in this topic because these are things that you ask, but there's also things you've heard. And I, I, I submit to you, you probably heard a lot of these, might even say them, said them, or even thought them. So here's some things people say about church. We're talking about all things church today. The first thing that people say is, I don't do organized religion. Has anybody heard that, yes or no? I don't do organized religion, you know. I was at the gym recently talking to somebody, and I invited him to church. By the way, I didn't invite people to church because I'm a pastor. I invited people to church because I'm a Christian, because I love my church. And I think anything that you love not only shows, but you, you give away what God gives you. So Christianity should just be like breathing. You take all this stuff in. The question is, who are you breathing it on? And hopefully you don't have bad breath. Come on, somebody. Hopefully it's like life-giving, okay, not life-taking. Uh, hallelujah. Halitosis. We call that hallelujah halitosis. Uh, when it's bad religion. So I, I was telling this person about the church and invited him to church as a saint, not as a, you know, as a pastor. And they're like, you know, I'm good. Me and God are good. I've got, you know, I believe in my heart certain things, but I don't do organized religion because church is messy, you know, and it's messed up. And I said, listen, <laughs> if you think organized religion is bad, you should see disorganized religion. Because <laughs> I think that's what the problem is, really. It's not that they saw organized religion, it's because they saw disorganized religion. So I'm going to try to contrast religious with religion a little bit in this message. Is everybody with me? Here's another thing uh, people say. You know, let, me, let me back with that. What's happening is people are saying behind that statement some things. They're saying things like, I don't want man to help me meet God's standards, or I don't want man's methods to reach or connect or touch God. And, and yet, in religion, we see a systematic approach to connecting with God, and we'll talk about that as we go forward. In fact, some people say this statement. I've even said this. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. And it's true partially. Okay? So, so listen to this kind of all the way through. You should do both. In other words, you can't have a healthy um, systematic approach to God without actually having a first-off connection with him. In other words, you have to know somebody, but after you meet them, now you want to learn how to connect with them better. Religion is about, it's a systematic approach, a process by which we learn how to grow and connect with God better. First, we meet them. That's the initial relation. In other words, we're, we first make a decision, then we become a disciple. We first meet, and then we learn how to get to know each other, right? And so these two things are hand in glove. You really can't separate them. They're tethered uh, together. Here's another thing people say. I don't do organized religion because it's man-made. Anybody heard that statement before? The reality is that's not true biblically. In fact, it's not man-made. The church wasn't man-made. It wasn't thought up by man. In fact, God organized instituted the church, sometimes referred to as the bride of Christ uh, for the sake of this message and primarily scripturally it's referred to as the body. The church was established by Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In Ephesians 3.10 he said, through the church the manifold wisdom of God would be made known. What is he saying? The church is the hope of the world. And my job today is to try to convince you in the next three hours that the church is the hope of the world. 
Hopefully it doesn't take that long, okay? All right, so what we're going to do today, here's another one. Some people say, I don't do organized religion. I have a relationship with God, but it's a personal thing, and I don't really need to attend church to live it out. Now, on one hand, I believe there's some truth to that, partial truth. I tell people, tell people that going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than sitting in a garage makes you a car. Okay, so you have to, again, you have to make this vertical connection. But to separate that vertical from the horizontal is a misconception. And, and the Bible tells us to be connected to the body of Christ. And we'll, uh, we'll explain and unpack this term body in just a little bit. Here's another thing that people say. In so many words, this is what's said. I had to paraphrase this or bundle this a bit. People said to me things like, PD, there are so many denominations. They can't all be right. So they must all be wrong. <laughs> In other words, people out there right now, Facebook Live, people out there in the, 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 the internet world and people, everybody here out there on the street that are driving by churches today, they're saying, look at all the church people going to church. But they're looking at all the different churches and saying, they don't get along with themselves. Why do I want what they have, supposedly? So in other words, in some respects, there's a bad advertisement because of the divisions of the church. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1.10, this is, this is a summary of the verse. He says, I don't want there to be divisions in the church. You need to be united in thought and purpose. Good churches revolve around the purposes of Scripture. What are those? Those mandates of Scripture. The Great Commandment and the Great Commission. If you're in a church that doesn't emphasize those two purposes, the Great Commandment and the Great Commission, I'm not sure how biblical those churches are. So if it's about loving God with everything you got. It's about making disciples. That's, those are purposes. But here's where, here's where churches get divided. They get divided sometimes not just because of the purpose. They get divided because they're not united in thought, too. There's a way in which we connect with God, do church. And there's also a way in which we reach and touch our world. Those things are important too. And I think we use Jesus as our primary example to see how doctrine should be practiced in real life. Jesus, in fact, is the perfect embodiment of doctrine in action. We look to his personality, we look to his lifestyle and his actions and his behaviors to, as a church, learn how to behave. Does that make sense? Jesus is good doctrine. If you need good doctrine, just look to Jesus. And so we want to have a church that looks like Jesus. Can I have an amen? amen? So what happens is churches get divided. Denomination means divided names. Paul was saying to the church, and God says through Paul to the church, we're not supposed to be divided. We're supposed to be one church, just many flavors. And so we're still ice cream. The ingredients are all have to be in the ice cream, but the flavor or the expressions can be different. But we're not actually supposed to be, we're right and you're wrong across the street. We're not actually supposed to be like, our way is better than your way. No, 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 no. That's not a life-giving way. Is everybody getting what I'm saying? Yeah. So we love faith community down the street. And we love grace. And we love all these different churches that are united in purpose and united in thought. And because of our thinking that Paul's encouraged us to do, we're not dividing over those things. We're just different flavors in the body of Christ. Yeah. Amen. And if we did a better job at that, I think people would want what we have instead of just driving right on by. And so we have to unite. So it is our ingredients that unite us. 
We have to be united in essential beliefs. We have to have liberty in non-essentials. And in all our beliefs, we show love. We talk about this in our next steps. Is everybody with me? That's why you want to go through that because it will unpack some of this for you. Some people walk into church and they say, in so many words, what do you want from me? What's, sometimes verbally or non-verbally. What's your angle? You know, how, how's this place run? Who's he accountable to? You know, that's kind of the nonverbal. Sometimes the, I had a friend that I went to high school with. He came here for a little while. And um, I'm sad because we weren't able to connect with him. But what happened is he came in and he made a cursory assessment, kind of a surface assessment of the church from just this experience. But he, in other words, he didn't see the whole organization. It would be like uh, Jeff's a, a, a car deal. It'd be like going to Kia and Framingham, which, by the way, is an incredible dealership, um, which I've got my car from. Uh, but it'd be like judging Jeff on the showroom, but I don't know anything about the service department or customer service. That's what people sometimes do because of past experience with other car dealerships slash churches. Then they come in here, and they're like, what's your angle? What are you after? What are you trying to sell me? Is everybody with me? But sometimes we don't get into the, we're not, we're not, we're not seeing the whole thing, and we make a judgment about it. And so a lot of people have had bad experiences because of that. And as a result, because of they, they're distrusting and because they're, they're, they're disenfranchised because of previous experience. And so what we've tried to do as a church is organize our whole church, in a sense, around the skeptic. See, more, even more than lovers of God, we're trying to reach people that are like this. And so our methods... Don't trump our message, but we made sure our methods are sending a message. So that's why we don't pass a plate. Is that because we don't believe in uh, giving? No, of course not. But we're not going to let that keep you from connecting with God on a Sunday morning. But we'll show you later. We'll unpack in the service department how things run around here. And it will be done without pressure, and it will be done in a life-giving way because the Bible talks about giving. Does any, anybody with me right now, okay? I mean, some people get all bent out of shape because of something that happened in the past, and they throw the baby out with the bathwater when it comes to church. Years ago, I was living down the street here, and I, was, I usually say over there, and people think I was in the corner of the sanctuary. <clears throat> I've grown in that. But I was on an interview with WBZ Radio, and they were interviewing pastors of churches. And so uh, they liked me. I was the last guy. They kind of stacked me at the end. I didn't know this was going to happen. And they said, Pastor Derek, we just enjoyed so much. We're going to take some live callers. <laughs> what? That's what I was saying in my head. I was like, I didn't script for that. It's like 6 in the morning on Tuesday. Nobody's awake. I, nobody can help me. I don't have like a team of pastors at my disposal. This isn't like, no, it's just you. What's, all these calls start coming in, and people are fired up on the other line because they want to like rip apart the Christian pastor. I, I don't remember all the questions. One guy comes in, and he's a mad atheist. I think atheists and mad kind of go together. <laughs> That's just my experience. I don't know if I'm right. And so he's like, uh, I don't know about organized religion, you know. I mean, look at all the things people do in the name of God. What about the Crusades, Pastor Derek? What about the Crusades? I'm like, wow, he's really going back. This guy's been carrying his offenses a long time. <laughs> and I said, listen, and I basically said in so many words, what happens is man charges to God's account man's selfish and sinful behaviors. And that's what we're really doing with the church sometimes is we're throwing out what God established because of how man represented it. And we have to be careful that we don't throw out the good because of all, all the, throw out because of the bad all the good that is still there. Can I have an amen? 
All right, so uh, here are kind of some fears that people have about church. I've got to go through these quickly. Number one, people say things like this. This is what keeps you away. It's what's underneath those statements is the church is hypocritical. Just a bunch of hypocrites, hypocrites in the church of Jesus Christ shouldn't be that way. Shouldn't tell people what to do and then don't do it yourself. That, that's what's happening. The truth is, this is what we do. We've decided to embrace, we all say things that we don't do. We're in process. In fact, we say we're the perfect church for imperfect people. If you're, if you're going to church, anybody online, if you're going to church, and you're just not going right now because you're just watching us, but if you're going to church someplace else and you're, it, you're perfect, well, you're going to mess it up because the church is filled with imperfect people. And some people have banners over their churches, no perfect people allowed. But that's the, percep the perception that the church sometimes has sent to the world, and that's the perception sometimes the secular world has to church. And that, that just shouldn't be the case. Is everybody with me? Like, we've just got to stop acting like we got it all together. We're, in, we're all in process. I don't decide because I don't have it all worked out not to train my children up in the way they should go. Well, I'm not going to talk to them about that because I don't have all that or I didn't do that right my whole life. No parent says that. Parents tell kids what's best for them, even if they did it in the past, and even if they're struggling with it in the present. And that's all I'm doing. Just so you know, I don't claim to have it all worked out. Our leadership doesn't claim to have it all worked out. We're working it out together. But God's called me to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. He didn't call me to have it all perfect before I tell you about the better way to do things. Can I have an amen? So that's what we're doing. Number two, number, another, another fear. The church is controlling and manipulative. In other words, people say things like, church is just about playing on people's emotions and just trying to steer them to their own selfish desires and their own selfish ambition and their own interests. And I need to be free to do what I need to do. I listened to a couple at a restaurant, literally, hey, I'm a pastor, and I feel like God just set me up, and I listened to them. You know, I just don't know about organized religion. They're just manipulating people and controlling people, and homie, don't play that. And I was like, oh, man, do I want to insert myself in that conversation over there right now. The, the third fear is the church is not about my benefit, but about growing and growth and power. And no one's looking out for my interests. No one's looking out for me. No one's looking out for me. And, and I'm going to get to that in just a little bit because there's some truths that contrast. Uh, there's some contrasting truths to that. Here's one of them. Truths about these fears are, number one, people are broken and the church is full of and led by broken people. That's a reality. We're all, we're all broken. God, he uses people who are broken. He uses, he uses our messes for his messages. He takes our past and he doesn't, he doesn't, we can decide to let them define our future, but he actually can use them for a better purpose. Can I have an amen? Um, and so people are broken. Here's another one um, that happens a lot of times. Uh, healthy churches can be controlling and manipulative. Did I say that already? And so here's what happens is, Unhealthy people um, don't decide because something's wrong in my body, I'm just going to be done with my body. You know what? No, I'm going to get a new body. No, 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 no. They don't think that way. But in, in the church sometimes, because something's unhealthy or not right, sometimes we just want to be rid of it. But actually, when people are, have healthy bodies, isn't it interesting? People with healthy bodies want to help other people get healthy. That's how it should be in the church. Is everybody with me? And so sometimes we see it wrong. But the church, it's not about me. The church is about him. 
Ultimately, the church is about his kingdom. It's about his kingdom. The Bible says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his, his righteousness, and then all these things that are about me will be added unto me. What is that saying? It's, this is a principle that I, I believe and I've preached before is if you make God's agenda your agenda, he'll make your agenda his agenda. God wants you to just kind of reorder your life to reflect the things that his word says. And sometimes we say we believe. But there, there are three things, though, that will answer questions I'm not even talking about today. And so we're going to talk about, you know, the church and, and, and how it's important. We're going to talk about who the church is under. And we're going to talk about how the church is organized. So here's the first question we're going to answer. What is the church? Write this down if you're taking notes. The church is a body. Everybody say a body. Romans 12, you guys getting something out of this, everybody. Yeah. Romans 12, 4 says, for we, talking about, this is, I'm going to throw this into the lake. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, okay, how are we doing? Good? I'm about to preach up in here. Let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> Sorry, got to change the atmosphere in here. <laughs> All right, Shanda. All right, for we, as members of one body, but all members do not have the same. Pocket. Come on. All right. <laughs> You're eating up my clock. Be quiet. Okay. <laughs> but we do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So there's one body, but we're individual, but those individuals are all connected. God says church is like something. He gives a picture of what church is like. And the picture is, look at yourself, a physical body. So when you think church, think your body. Woo, some of you got... Excited about that? Some of you got really sad about that point, okay? <laughs> like, Lord have mercy. I'm going to a mega church. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> but you're in the body. The Bible is saying all together, but you're a part of it. You need to imagine yourself as a certain part. Maybe you're a, a pinky. Maybe uh, you're a fingernail. You know, you're scratching at, irritating. Maybe, maybe you're a certain finger. I'm not going to go too far with that analogy because that could get out of control. And you use it inappropriately. Maybe you're a thumb. Maybe you're a toe, you know, and you give people the right toe of fellowship. Uh, maybe you're an elbow, ladies. You're like, that's my spiritual gift. Did you hear that, honey? <laughs> All right. So the point is, whatever you can imagine... You're a part of the body. You might need to learn how to, you know, use that the right way. But if you had a finger that was disconnected from the body, what happens? Pain. What, what happened? Amputation. What does it look like? Creepy thing from the Adams family. Okay? See, apart from the body... It's not the way God meant it to be. We're meant to be connected. I don't do church. It's just a heart thing for me. If you're saying, I'm a finger and I don't do body, 
then it's like, it's like I'm, I'm a part of the body, but I don't do church. That, that's the same thing to God. Is everybody tracking with me? You can't function outside of the body. You can't get circulation outside of the body. You can't get nourishment outside of the body. You can't find your purpose outside of the body. When you think of body, three things, write this down. Healthy bodies grow. Healthy bodies grow. You know, when they come into the world, they don't come into the world full grown. Can I have an amen from all the moms right now? Thank you, Jesus. Can we make them smaller? I don't understand, God. I love to watch my grandkids grow. They are at an incredibly fast rate of growth. My, my youngest grandson, Hudson, when he came into the world, he came in with a really big head and a little body. He came into the world, and he couldn't hold his head up. He's like, yo. Oh. I couldn't tell if he was doing a Stevie Wonder or he was getting filled with the Holy Ghost. And then, and then his body grew into his head. Initially, his head would lead him everywhere. Now, now, his, now his feet are leading him everywhere because he grew. Is everybody with me? Healthy bodies do what? They grow. Turn to your neighbor and say, healthy bodies grow. Number two, healthy bodies mature. It's this mic that's making me so good. Healthy bodies mature. So you don't stay the same if you're healthy. So people say healthy bodies grow. I, I, I want to be in small church. Uh-uh. Bible says healthy, healthy things grow. So here's your problem. Your problem is I feel disconnected in big church. The problem, you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Healthy things grow. So we've got to get bigger and smaller at the same time. You get bigger in reaching other people. You stay connected in community in small groups. Is everybody, you got to understand church the right way. And healthy, healthy church matures. Healthy bodies mature. It's amazing how one day my grandson, you know, uh, he, can't, he can't hold a bottle. you got to hold it the whole time. The whole time. And even while you're holding it, he can do something. It gets out of his mouth. Then one day later, it seems like a month later, you go back, he's holding the bottle. He's like walking around. Yeah, what's up? What's up? What's up? I can hold this bottle. You know what I mean? They can't talk, but they're, they're looking at you like, you checking me out right now? Easy. One day, they can't feed themselves. You know, you got you to gotta spoon feed every single thing. Next day, they want to feed themselves. And they, they don't, it's not a yoga session. It's a yogurt session. Yeah. It's all over their bodies. And they love it. But they're getting better and better and better. Eventually, they can tell you, I don't want this. I want that. Mom's trying to feed yogurt. Dad's, you know, having a piece of fruit. He points. He can't talk. Mm, eh, mm. Takes a piece of fruit, starts eating the fruit. It's like basically saying, that's what I want. I can't wait for the day when I can tell my grandkids, this is what you get. And if you don't want it, you're fasting. <laughs> Mature. Mature with that. Okay. Here's the third thing. Healthy bodies are unique. Everybody say unique. There's no two bodies that are the same. You don't lose your uniqueness in your unity. Okay. God wants you. You can be twins. And twins come into the world maybe seconds apart, minutes apart, shared a womb together, physically look the same, but on the inside they're completely different. They have different passions, skills, interests, abilities, or whatever. Your uniqueness is found in the body. 
And so if you're disconnected from the body, you won't grow. If you're disconnected from the body, uh, you won't mature. If you're disconnected from the body, you won't find or express your uniqueness. And what happens is, and what is going to happen if we don't listen to a message like this, we will cross the line from this life into heaven. And we will look like an adult, but we'll be crawling in. We will have not grown. We will have not matured in our muscles. We will have not found our uniqueness. We will have not been healthy. And we'll look like this picture in heaven. I want that to leave a mark. Here's what's up. See, salvation is found in Christ alone. Growth is found in the body. Growth is found in the body. Is everybody with me? See, God doesn't want you just to attend church. He wants you to be planted. Oh, well, I did next steps. I'm a member. I'm a mem- I got my membership badge. You know what I want to say to that? Good for you. I'm really not into that. Can I be straight? Because I'm going to be. See, I... I'm not really into that. I want what God wants. Are you planted? Planted, planted and flourishing. That's the goal. See, what is planted? When you're planted, check this out. When you're planted, you don't move. You don't move. I don't like that point. That sounds controlling. That's because you got issues from the past that you're ascribing to your present. That's what's happening. See, planted things bear fruit. Here's what God wants. He wa- he's more interested in your roots than he is your fruits. And the reason sometimes you're not experiencing fruit from your tree is because your roots aren't going down deep where you stand. You haven't taken a stand. You haven't actually gotten fully planted. And you're looking for the perfect place as if that exists. See, people that are really planted, you know what happens is people that are really planted, they couldn't even think about moving because they're in so many, their best friends are here. They're in three small groups, and, and they'll have 12 people call them on Monday if they weren't in church on Sunday. It got quiet in this Catholic church. Everybody let it be known. See, God wants you to, planted means you're known, you're loved. Listen, listen, listen this one you're not going to like, and you're challenged. You know what happens in church? In church is where you get surgery. See, what happens when you come to church, just so you get it, it's you're going to a hospital. Tons of stuff happened in a hospital. I could do a whole thing just on that, on being in a hospital. But when you're in a hospital, you, a lot of times a doctor's going to come, and he's going to want to do surgery. God wants to cut certain things out of your life that are harmful to you. That's what surgery is. It's, it may be painful, but it's beneficial. And so he wants to cut lies out of your life. He wants to cut distortion, and he wants to cut false beliefs doctrine out of your life. He wants to cut unforgiveness. Hey, come on, somebody. He wants to cut bitterness out of your life. And what he's trying to do, he comes up to you like a doctor, and you don't always see it coming, and you're on the table, and he goes, and he's got one of those little buzz saws to do surgery on you. And you know what most people do? They run. They run when surgery comes. This is my experience. I'm just going to let you know what I think. Three months, six months, 12 months, 18 months in, all of a sudden God's going to deal with it. What is it? 
I don't know what it is, but he does. And you've been carrying it around a long, long time. And it's been this infection and this disease and it's been this growth in your life that he wants to cut out. And he brings you to church and he gets ready to do surgery and he pulls the saw and you run. You know why? You know why you run? Because you're not strapped down. In the old school days, when you were getting ready to get saved, your life was going to get saved, there would be people, literally people, holding you down. And they'd give you a little shot of whiskey right before you get ready to go. Into, anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of those old school movies. Nobody wants to raise their hand because they're afraid. <laughs> they were getting ready to do surgery. They had to bite on something. It's going to be painful. Yeah, if you weren't strapped down to go through that surgery that could save your life, that could change your life forever, if you weren't strapped down and held down, you would take off and you would run. And that's why the church has so many in and out people. Because surgery has not been completed because they're not planted. They're not planted. Woo, this is a good message whether you like it or not. Number two, write this down. Who is the head of the church? Jesus is the head. Jesus is the head. This is such a relief for me. I, I, I have the privilege and first priority to pastor this church, but I do oversee other churches. And sometimes there are problems, not only here, but elsewhere. And sometimes I, by nature as a pastor shepherd, try to take those things on myself. And that's wrong. And I was reading this scripture I'm going to show you in just a second. And it was such a refresher and such a reminder that, all, that Jesus is the head of the church. He's the senior pastor. I'm just the lead pastor. He's the senior pastor, and I'm the under-shepherd of this church. And he's really the one who's in charge. Colossians 1 says, He was, verse 16, before all things, before all else began, and it is his power that holds everything together. His power. I thank God I don't have to hold this whole thing together. That means when all those problems come, I can go, God, thank God you're in charge, and I'm not. Does, it, it, do you see the refreshment of that principle? Maybe you don't because you're thinking about it through the pastor's lens. Let me just tell you something. If you're struggling in your marriage, you're struggling with your kids that are far away from God, you're struggling with some kind of problem, you need to chill out. You know why? Because he holds all things together. And when life is out of control, he's not lost control. He hasn't fallen off his throne just because we fell off the turnip truck. Going to have an amen? He's still in charge. He's still got it. Even if you don't got it. It continues in verse 18. He's the head of the body made up, for his, made up of his people. That is his church. So there's the body. It's, it's, it's his people. It's the same thing as the church. He began it. He's the leader of it. Of all those who will rise from the dead one day so that he is the first in everything. Ephesians 1.22 says, And God put all things, everybody say all things, under his feet. I want to sing a song, but I won't. And made him the supreme head of the church. Who's the head of the church? Jesus is the head of the church. Which is his body filled with himself, the author and giver of everything, everywhere. Listen, what happens in the head? Think of this body picture again. Everything that doesn't happen in the heart. See, the heart, your emotions, your will, your desires, your passions. The head, though, this is where we, uh, we send information for, to the body. It comes from the head. It's where we see things. It's where we hear things. Where does it come? The head. The head is the only place we receive natural nourishment. There's unnatural. You could go to a hospital and they put an IV in you. That's unnatural nourishment. But through the head, we receive nourishment. Is everybody with me? Jesus is 
the head of the church. You need to understand what happens through the head. And so when you put your trust in Jesus as the head of the church, you're not putting it in man. You're not putting it in me. You're putting it in God. And God had a plan from the beginning of what he wanted to do with the church and how he wanted to establish it. And if you don't see ingredients or vestiges or stamps on this church or the church that you go to, then I would caution you. But can I teach you something from the Bible that's kind of cool? Yes? Okay, so Matthew chapter 8, I think it's in your notes. Matthew 8, it, it, this, is, this is what it says. This is just an amazing verse. It says, a scribe came to Jesus and Jesus said to the religious person, he said, teacher, he, the religious person said to Jesus, teacher, I will go with you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, hey, foxes have holes and bir- to go into and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Now, I used to think that was talking about Jesus in the natural. This was talking about Jesus' authority. And and, and some of you, I don't have time to teach biblical imagery, but basically foxes represent false teachers and birds represent demonic spirits. And so false teachers basically hide in holes and the hole is religion and birds hide in trees. That represents people. Demonic spirits hide behind people, masked behind people. And so what happens is people come into churches and there are demonic spirits influencing people and distorting reality or there are false teachers hiding behind religion and Jesus is saying so what I'm going to do is I'm going to come to humanity I'm going to die on a cross to cleanse humanity so that I can lay my headship my authority on the body of Christ so that the body can be healthy and led by the right leader is everybody with me That's his plan. That's his desire. Jesus is the head of the body. Jesus wants to do something incredible. He came for a body. He died for a body. He rose for a body, and he's still in control over the entire body. Amen? Amen. So we don't want to give up on it. When the body's not working right, we don't just amputate it and cut it off. No, we trust Jesus is there to heal the situation. See, Jesus knows he can heal something better when it's connected than when it's amputated trying to reconnect it. Because the longer something's amputated, the more likely it's actually going to die. So he tries to keep you connected knowing that's the best way for you to become healthy and whole. Know this, if Jesus is the head of church, and he is, he's always about the business of healing and reconnecting people to the body. That's what he's up to. Amen? Are you with me? All right, number three, write this down. Is organized religion bad? The body is organized, so organized religion can't be bad. I studied in the uh, different systems in the body, and uh, I don't know if this is right, but Wikipedia says... I've been hanging with Wikipedia. Wikipedia says there are 12 different systems in the body. I'll just highlight a couple for the sake of this point. The skeletal system. I want you to see the parallel. Remember, the picture of the body of Christ, the church, is the same picture as the physical body, the Bible says. Okay? So the skeletal system supports and protects supports your body and protects the organs of your body. The nervous system collects and sends information to the muscles for physical actions. The muscular system enables movements. 
The skeletal system can't do anything without the muscular system, right? The digestive system is mechanical and a chemical process that provides nutrients to the body but also gets rid of waste. Why am I telling you this? Because the body is one of the most intricate infrastructures ever created. It is so organized, it's, it's unbelievable. And the body of Jesus Christ is equally organized. We don't want disorganized religion. We want organized religion. One of the reasons I, this is going to sound, it's an unqualified statement because I don't have time to qualify. But one of the reasons some churches grow, and I think this church grows, is related to its organization, not its disorganization. Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, there's healthy systems to help you grow. There's a skeleton and a structure and a governance behind what you see on a Sunday morning. There's a digestive system that helps make sure nutrients are getting out to the body and waste is being disposed of properly. All those things are happening inside a healthy church. Amen. I love my church too. But what the devil will do when something's getting ready to grow, mother's... If you've been a mother before, you're going to be a mother. You know this if you're a mother, that right before the baby comes, it's like all of hell tries to break out and convince you of all the things that could go wrong with the baby. Vlogs and blogs a mile long. Be careful for this and worry about this and be stressed about that. All of hell is just trying to get you to be afraid of this body that's coming. And I think the enemy does the same thing with the church. It tries to convince you, don't connect, don't get planted, don't get plugged into a body because it gives you all the litany and list of things that are telling you why you should be disconnected. But the opposite is actually true because the Bible says when the baby comes, the travail is remembered no more because of the blessing of what has been born. The same is true for you. The blessing on the other side of being connected to the body far outweighs the concerns that you would see. The body of Christ is organized. Ephesians 4.11 talks about fivefold ministers that lead the body. Organization. Ephesians 4.12 says, why is it that he gives us these special abilities? He's talking about these five offices. He's answering a question before we even ask. And he's saying, in so many words, it's for building up the church. It's for building up the church. And later he goes on and he says, um, he says, the church uh, and, 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 of Christ to a position of strength and maturity, unity. Finally, at that point, we all believe alike about our salvation and about our Savior, God's Son. And we all become fully grown. Everybody say fully grown. God wants you to be fully grown in the Lord to the point of being full and filled with Christ. See, we need to grow up. God wants us to be able to grow in the body. You need to also care about your church, everybody. Because if you're just caring about your growth, and you're not caring about the growth of the body, there's something unhealthy about that. So I, I'm growing. I'm fine. No, no, no. That, that's, that's isolation. That is not unity. See, if you're, if you're growing at a faster rate than the rest of the body, listen, listen, get ready. That's not growth. That's a growth. I don't know if you got what I just said. That's a, that's, it's a weird growth. God wants us to grow together in unity within the body of Jesus Christ. Psalm 133, my final verse, the Bible says this. It's so great when we see things right. It's so, there's so much favor when we have unity in our beliefs and unity in our outlook on the body of Christ. It says, behold, how good and how pleasant it is when the body or the brethren come together, what? In 
unity. Come on, say that together. In unity. The Bible says, for there, where, there, where, there, the Lord commanded the blessing. So when we come together, churches will be unbelievably impactful and influential when we come together understanding that the that the church is a body, that Jesus is the head of the church, and the church needs to be organized. And when we are, there is unity. And when there's unity, God puts a blessing on the local church. Can I have an amen? Would you stand to your feet and let me pray for you? Did you get something out of this, everybody? Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap for his word. Amen.